Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Nebraska State Fair. And on a day that was not pretty when it came to the market, some drops in the corn and the beans. The wheat is the one that took it hard. We're going to talk about what happened there and why we had some mixed numbers on the livestock side of the trade action today. All those details, we're going to mess folks up a little bit, but today it is with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX as we take a look at the markets. And I think uh, first and foremost, crop ratings, we saw a big drop, I think more. And, and you mentioned more than what people had originally anticipated. Yeah, we knew that last week was hot. We knew we were doing damage to the crops. Uh, the question was how much. And the trade had built in expectation for a bigger drop than what we actually saw from USDA. And part of that was led by the Pro Farmer Tour numbers on Friday. Uh, we know that as Pro Farmer was making their estimates, they were taking in consideration the heat that was there, what was going on with the weather. And they came in with that 172 corn yield, 49.7 bushel soybean yield. The trade assuming, okay, they were out in the field, so they must know they expected a deeper drop in ratings. So we rally Sunday night and Monday following the pro farmer numbers. Then when USDA numbers aren't quite as bad, we sell off. More so for corn, uh, for soybeans and for corn, but we really didn't do any chart damage to either one. Um, and uh, soybeans are probably a little better position than, but the, what this tells me is that the market is basically pricing in a corn crop right now somewhere between 172 and 174 bushels per acre. The soybean crop, they're pricing in something between 50 and 50 and a half bushels per acre, in my opinion. Uh, I do expect those yields to continue to erode each week that we continue this weather pattern. I know we started this week off milder, but it's going to heat up as we go deeper into the week across the Midwest and we're still not getting rain over most areas. And so we're continuing to not finish this, this growing season very well, and that's taking you off the table. So is there concerns? I mean, I know that there's areas of the Midwest that are going to start heating up uh, starting on Thursday into Friday, and they say it's going to be a good five days of some higher temperatures. Does that cause some concerns as well for the marketplace? It does. It obviously wasn't enough to rally things today, but I think as we go forward, the market's going to go back to focusing on that and saying, okay, Monday's crop ratings didn't fall as much as we expected, but we expect next week's crop ratings to fall a little bit more. Keep in mind that the markets are closed for Labor Day weekend on Monday, so the crop ratings won't come out till Tuesday. So what that is is another day of deterioration for the crops before those next ratings are done. And so I think the trade's going to start focusing on that a little bit more as we go deeper in the week. Now, if, if the balance sheet for corn was tight, then we probably would have seen more strength in this market. It's not. The trade understands that demand is going to be weaker in the coming year for corn. And that USDA, as it cuts yields, will probably cut demand as well. But eventually the market is trying to measure, do we cut supply enough to where we start running into a problem with demand? We're probably more vulnerable to do that with soybeans than we are with corn. So the soybean market will probably be more stable than the corn longer term until at least we figure out what the size of the crop is overall. Well, we saw the, the stock markets rally, and I know that we saw the treasuries um, fall a little bit this morning. Was that a bit of an influence on the grain side? 
Well, you know, it, as we look at it, it kind of looked like money was coming from the commodities into the equities, into the stock market. And, and that was because this morning, yes, we did see that house prices went up last month across the country, uh, which means that the Fed to do more work. But on the other hand, we got two other reports that said the opposite. The JOLTS uh, job opening report showed that uh, we only had 8.8 million jobs uh, posted job openings posted at the end of July. That's the lowest number that we've seen uh, in about a year and a half. So that's encouraging. The previous month was also uh, revised down by about 400,000 job postings. Uh, and so that was really a good number. And then the consumer confidence really took a hit uh, in the latest month as well. And the consumer is now more worried about inflation. And when we see consumer confidence start to go down, they tend to spend less money. When they spend less money, companies don't produce as much. When they don't produce as much, they don't hire as many people. And so the Fed may be getting what it wants now. And so that's why the stock market rallied. The exception to that was the crude oil market, which went up today to a great extent because of the hurricane that's now entering into the Gulf of Mexico. I think those things can be a little uncertain could affect some oil rigs, and so adding a little bit of risk premium for that. But otherwise, the commodity struggle today is the equity market rallying. So here at the Nebraska State Fair, I had a, a gentleman say, really, how much lower can this wheat go? And we had new lows set today. Well, I hate to say this, but remember, crude oil a few years ago went negative. I'm not saying that wheat's going to go negative, but my point is, that with the advent of the funds and the algo computers that put on the majority of our trade, they go much higher and much lower than what the fundamentals suggest that they should. And so from a producer or an end user standpoint, they need to take those risks into mind. Prices can go much higher and much lower than what you think that they should. And you need to be prepared for that possibility in your risk management plan. Well, we'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue here from the Nebraska State Fair with the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to take a look at what's happening to our neighbors to the south. We'll talk a little bit about South America, specifically what seems to be the driving factor that China's still buying from Brazil and hasn't even made an inkling of any purchases coming to the United States with our harvest just around the corner. And, of course, we'll, we'll squeeze in what's going to happen on these livestock as well. From the Nebraska State Fair, it's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Summer is going fast and Husker Harvest Days is right around the corner. Please join us one final year in the Fontenelle Tent at the show September 12th through the 14th near Grand Island. There's plenty to talk about, including the merger into the new Channel Seed brand, our proven performance potential, and an expanded corn portfolio for 2024. So stop and see Fontenelle at Husker Harvest Days. The same local commitment with new possibilities. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefields. We're broadcasting from the Nebraska State Fair, located in the Pinnacle Building. Love to have folks stop on by, talk to us about the markets, give us your thoughts. And Arlen Suderman continues to join us here on the second half. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And one of the comments made to me, Arlen, was about Brazil. And what is it about China that they keep getting enticed to buy from Brazil when they haven't yet given us a glance, knowing that our harvest is just around the corner. 
Well, Brazil is also a BRICS member, part of the same coalition of countries that China has been strengthening its ties with. But also, their soybeans have generally been cheaper, and their buyers are very price sensitive. And at times when Brazil basis is firm to push prices above U.S. prices, we've seen them come to the United States. But when Brazil's basis weakens again, which has been more of the story with the big production that they've had over the past year, well, then they start, then the buyers go back to Brazil. And it's really becoming critical, as you said, because our peak export season for soybeans is really October, November time period. And then it goes on, lingers on with a long tail into November and, excuse me, December into January until Brazilian new crop supplies are available. But as of last week when I last checked, Brazil had still 36 million metric tons of soybeans that were still in the farmer's hands that he hadn't sold that. Not, not all that's going to go in the export market, but that means that right now with domestic crush margins in Brazil not being that strong, that what beans are getting sold are largely being directed to the export market and very competitive right now. And they're competitive because of price, but also competitive because of freight. And so another problem is right now the drought in Central America, and that is dramatically impacting the Panama Canal. Any soybeans we sell to China through the Gulf of Mexico, which is the bulk of them, have to go through the Panama Canal. But the Panama Canal relies heavily upon water levels in a big lake up at higher elevations for operating. And with that lake water being very low levels right now, they're having to limit how much water they move through their lock and dam, dam system. And so they're reducing drafts. They're reducing the amount of ships that can move through each day. The other alternative is to go all the way around South America or, or, or Africa. And that adds about a 30, 35 cents a bushel onto the cost and definitely prices this out in addition to adding to those delays. And Chinese buyers are very concerned about that. So right now they're buying a lot of Brazilian soybeans, uh, about 35 to 40 cargoes per week. The bulk of those are coming from Brazil. For October shipment right now, well, let's look at September shipment based on our conversations with cash sources right now. It's estimated that they've bought about 5.5 million metric tons of coverage for September, with 4.5 of that being of Brazilian origin and less than 1 million metric tons for U.S. origin. And they'll probably end up shipping somewhere between 6 and 8 million metric tons. Then as you go to October, they've already booked about 3 million metric tons of Brazilian beans for October shipment with only about 5.2 million metric tons for U.S. And normally they'd be getting 100% of their beans for the United States in October. Now they're starting in November as well. So that's a big problem for U.S. exports going forward and why I'm really concerned that USDA's export target for soybeans, let alone corn, which is in much worse shape yet, uh, is too high for the new marketing year. So should we be nervous as grain producers watching this all unfold? Yeah, I think USDA is going to lower its yield estimates as we get into the September crop report and maybe again in October. But each time it lowers its yield estimates, I think it's going to lower its demand estimates as well. So that's not going to have the same bullish effect on prices maybe that you might hope that it would if you're a producer. And so 
I think there's a lot of producers out there focused on, yeah, the crop's getting smaller. Surely that'll give us higher prices. But we can have lower yields and still have lower prices. It all comes down to how quickly does USDA lower their demand estimates going forward. I do think that eventually they'll be bumping their soybean crush numbers, but they may not do that for another four to six months. So we may not get the effect of that um, for quite some time yet. Quickly, give us your thoughts. Mixed livestock once again today, you'd think we'd had higher with the lower grains. Yeah, you'd think so. But we look at hogs, we're still trying to adjust to the new realities of demand, lower demand uh, for the because of Prop 12 in California. Uh, and uh, so that's hurting us. We're bleeding a lot of red ink, particularly in our deferred feeding margins uh, for hogs. So we're seeing heavy cow, or excuse me, sow slaughter, reducing the breeding herd. And I think that'll start showing up in the next hogs and pigs report that comes out at the end of September. Cattle, though, we did pull back lower because of the other markets, but I see that as consolidation. Pretty healthy charts overall. All right, quickly, best way to get a hold of you. StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle is ArlenFF101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.